0: Today on City Cash Chicago, as City Council moves forward with plans for Bally's Casino at the Old Tribune Publishing site in River West, we look back on our series exploring the history of disinvestment and displacement in the Cabrini Green neighborhood, which is just a few blocks from the proposed casino site. In part two, I joined a panel with journalists who investigated the broken promises in the neighborhood, local historians, and others connected to the public housing complex, like long-term resident Carol Steele, who's still fighting to help residents return. I asked them all, where is the community now, and is the city ever going to make good on its promises? It's Thursday, June 2nd. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. Cabrini-Green was once home to Italian immigrants, but starting in the 50s and 60s, it became primarily black. The high-rises and row houses had close to 20,000 residents at one point. Cabrini-Green was a community where neighbors looked out for each other, but disinvestment from the city led to disrepair and violence, and city leaders and developers were thirsty to scoop up the land between the affluent Gold Coast and downtown. The unofficial dismantling started in 1992, WBEZ reporter Natalie Moore told us last week.
1: In 1992, there's what's known as the shot that tore down Cabrini. There was a little boy named Dantrell Davis. He was killed by a bullet from a sniper who was aiming for a member of a rival gang. This was a huge story in in the city. Um, and it was you know what we got to tear these down, you know someone with a sniper on a, on one of these high rises did this. We have to change this.
0: Charles Price remembers that day.
2: I managed the building that Dan Trill and his mother lived there, two West Old. So so I I came downstairs, and I saw Anne walking Dan Trill to school. And when the when the shots were fired, there's just something about there's a sound that that 30 r 6 makes. It whistles as it passes you.
0: Charles was a resident liaison at Cabrini and later a housing activist. He and others connected to the community joined us last weekend for a discussion based on the Better Government Association's recent investigation, Cabrini Green, A History of Broken Promises. Charles said he had warned his bosses at the Chicago Housing Authority that the
2: violence needed to be addressed. Like a week earlier, I did a memo. See, I'm working for CHA, saying that, hey, these up, these upper floors are dangerous because we, the week before, I think, seven people got shot. Coming from the same high-rise where Dan Trill got eventually got killed from and they would board the window up. Somebody would come behind them and take it down and, and shoot. And this went on constantly.
0: Alejandra Consino was the reporter on the BGA's investigation. Alejandra said residents knew that the end was near for their home.
1: People are smart, they know what's happening, they have they know what to happen before, and they can see it all around them. Every time you see the headline, every time you can see it in national news, you can see it on TVs, in 60 minutes, there's reports, right? It's it's the drumbeat to, like, what's going to happen? What are you going to do, Mr. Mayor, about Cabrini-Green? And so we're in the 90s. This is Mayor Richard Daley, whose um, father was also mayor of Chicago. Um, and he was under tremendous pressure to do something about Cabrini-Green. It seemed that everything was aligning to wanting to really displace this community. Then in
0: 1996... Mayor Daly announces plans to tear down Cabrini.
3: This is the largest transformation of public housing in the world. No one else wanted to tackle this issue because it's very complex and very difficult, and uh, deals mostly with poverty people.
2: I was just wondering, how do you think we feel about like the community, like the buildings being torn down?
3: Well, I I think you know, there's a lot of sentiment here. Let's be realistic. uh, public high rising, but in the long run, public high high rises will be taken down all over the country. They're being taken down, and we have to work completely different program. We isolated the poor. We isolated them from their churches and everything else, and now we have to basically not isolate them. They have to become part of a community.
0: But take it like this: If you grew up in Cabrini Green, would you want them to take your memories?
3: Yeah, but memories are always memories are always stated within the mind. Uh, but uh, everybody changes. Every community has changed in Chicago. You can't live in the past. No one lives in the past. Thank you.
1: After that press conference, there was a landmark lawsuit, the 1996 lawsuit, asking to be at the at the table. The residents wanted to be at the table and wanted to be uh, part of what the future would be for Cabrini Green. Um, and in 1997, which is how we opened the story, really, is there was this community meeting where the mayor sent uh, some of, uh, of the well-known black politicians to Cabrini-Green to tell them what the plan was going to mean. And it didn't go well.
0: Everybody here want to know about the
3: plan? Okay. Can Okay. Can, can we, please,
2: let's give them an opportunity, to show what's happening in the plan. Thank thank
1: Anything that they want to discuss, they can discuss those no emails, right?
0: That was 96, but then Mayor Daly comes out and makes more promises to the residents again in 1999 when he promises people whoever wants to stay in the community can stay. Alejandra explains how the promises from the city to residents keep coming throughout the
1: 90s. So what we ended up doing with the investigation was tracking. I wanted to know the promises, right? How do we track them? So we track whether or not people were able to return, you know, it's been 25 years since then, Uh, how much money we've spent, and um, the jobs, whether or not um, construction jobs were actually, um, uh, the the 2,500 construction jobs that were promised to people were actually delivered. What we found is that, this is based on CHA's own tracking, that um, less than 20% of the people that were when Mayor Medaily said like anyone who wants to come back will be able to come back, actually have returned to Cabrini Green or, or at some point returned to Cabrini Green, the new Cabrini Green, right? Like the, the new community that was built there. Um, the, with the rest, um, we have about 400 people that the CHA cannot track. They have lost them. They don't know where they are. Um, we have um, another uh, hundred 600 people or so who uh, moved elsewhere in the city using a voucher. Uh, We have people who have given up, people who have died. Uh, We still have 85 people in the list waiting to come back to Cabrini Green today, 25 years later.
0: So residents were told they could come back, but many didn't. And it cost taxpayers a lot of money.
1: We have used already more than $1.4 billion redeveloping Carina Green. That is public money that has gone to the creation of uh, the beautification of parks for a public uh, walkway along the river for this, what we call mixed income communities. Right. So apartments in which you have uh, really wealthy people living next to public housing residents. And that has all been created with public dollars and there is another 600 million dollars that were allocated last year to finish the construction of cabrini green because it's taken so long and it's not done yet the number of uh public housing units that were promised to residents have not been delivered
0: anyone who wasn't in chicago before 2011 when the last cabrini green high-rise fell, may not even know that was public housing now it's just like any other gentrified neighborhood with a Starbucks, Groupon headquarters, and of course, a Target.
1: And the, the Target is actually important because that was the land mm-hmm. where a public house, one of Cabrini Green Towers used to be where the Target is today. So the CHA swapped the land with Target. Tar- they got land slightly north of their north of their Target, had land that was not continuous. It was broken down by a couple of streets. And they wanted, they still wanted one continuous p- piece of land to be able to build the store. So they swapped the land and they told residents that not only that we're going to get jobs so to get them to be okay with this swap, but also that the CHA was going to build more public housing units in the land that they had swapped. So the public housing units have not been built and the number of jobs that were promised to residents did not materialize in the, in the ways that that were promised.
0: So this is what former residents talk about when they talk about displacement. It was nearly impossible to come back to the community. You couldn't work in the community. You didn't get jobs to help redevelop the community, so people left. People that longtime resident Carol Steele lived next to. People she built a community with and fought alongside for more rights to decide what would happen to her community. They were just gone. 75%
2: of the people from Uh, Chicago Avenue, North Avenue, I knew, you know, so it, it was heartbreaking. You know, we asked people to stay, you know, you know, they got scared off. They went after all the other developments and eventually they came back for Cabrini Green.
0: So now 25 years after the first promises were made to Cabrini Green residents, there are still questions about what's next.
1: So the um, alderman of the ward, Alderman Burnett, um, we, by the way, we asked to sit down with him and he declined uh, to speak with us in the record, as did Mayor Lightfoot and um, the housing commissioner and the CHA's uh, uh, leader, Tracy Scott. Um, but they they all, when this, the additional $600 million were approved, and the $600 million come in something called a TIF, tax increment financing, which is a special taxing indif- district that essentially will help pay for the development there. Um, so they promised that that money will be used to fulfill the promises made to residents 25 years ago. So what exactly will happen with the $600 million? What will happen with the row houses? They had initially promised that 100% of the row houses would be public housing, and they have since walked back that promise. Now residents are fighting for just Hopefully, up to forty percent of the row houses to be public housing. Um, they are a number of public uh, or of empty parcels of land. Residents in the community want them to be green spaces for parks, but there is still hundreds of public housing units that were promised that have not been developed at a time in which the city is facing one of the worst affordable housing crises that it it's um, undergone. Um, so. I think that this is a time for residents to continue to question their leaders. What will happen with the money and who will benefit from that money going forward? Now that we know that the promises were broken, now what do we do with that knowledge going forward?
0: We have a link in our show notes to the Better Government Association's investigation, Cabrini Green, A History of Broken Promises. We also have a link to our first episode about the Cabrini community. Some of the clips you heard were from the documentary, 70 Acres in Chicago, directed by Ronit Bezalel. Part two of our series, We Know Promises Were Broken, Cabrini Green After Demolition, originally aired February 1st. Tomorrow, we take you inside our live show, Karaoke Storytellers. For more Chicago news and events, subscribe to the daily newsletter at chicago.citycast.fm. We'll be here tomorrow. Hope you will be too. Peace.